0: By all accounts, slashing the security clearance backlog by nearly 500,000 in nearly two years is one of those coveted good news government stories. Tackling the backlog while transferring the whole security clearance enterprise to the Pentagon, well, that's another. Federal contractors say there's a lot to like about the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency and how it's handling its business. But cutting the backlog only tackles one piece of their security clearance challenges. Federal News Network's Nicole Grisco joins me now with what they've also got to do. Nicole, let's start with the beginning. Is the progress here real?
1: So I think for the most part, federal contractors are saying they are seeing a difference from where they were back in April 2018. And that was when the backlog of security clearances stood at 725,000. So, They are noticing the reduced backlog, which is around 200 to 250 or so thousand. And that's considered the steady state. That's where the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency wants to be. Greg Torres, he's a director of personnel security for Booz Allen Hamilton. And he said, you know, clearly on the DOD side, they have gotten control of the inventory You know, people were worried about that 200,000 number, the steady state number, thinking that that might even be too much. But he says, don't worry about it. Focus on the speed. And he says the speed is getting better. A few other federal contractors say they, too, are seeing accelerated processing, at least on the investigation side, in recent months. And if you look at some of the data on performance.gov, which does track some of these metrics uh, every quarter or so the initial initial top secret clearances took 289 days to complete that's as of December and in early 2019 it took 414 days to get one of those one of those cases done so that is progress
0: yeah so that 250,000 or 200,000 so-called backlog is really like the water in your sink trap it's always got to be there but sure. the flow through is correct And there's no hairball clogging it up and overflowing the sink.
1: Right. So where the hairball might come in, though, is... Yes. (laughs) And there is one.
0: Downstream, yes. Or a
1: few, actually, depending on how you think of it. So the metrics that you do see posted online from the government only reflect the 90% fastest moving cases. You're not hearing about the 10% fastest moving cases. And that's where industry says... Congress should really ask for more data on those 10% slow-moving cases because when you hear from someone who says, oh, it's taking forever for me to get my security clearance, those are the kinds of cases that usually we're talking about here. And if you think about it, DCSA handles around 700,000 cases a year. So 10% of that number is still 70,000 cases. So that's 70,000 cases that might have some sort of issue that might be tied up in some legal hurdle that Congress could know a thing or two about.
0: So basically, they're seeing a backup in adjudications.
1: They are seeing a backup in adjudications. And, Tom, we've been reporting about this for a couple of months now. The numbers were sort of iffy at the time. But we have you know, seen that, at least at the Defense Department's Consolidated Adjudications Facility, a backlog had ballooned to 200,000 at the beginning of 2019, things do appear to be getting a little better but you know going back to Booz Allen Hamilton again they say it's honestly all over the map DOD isn't the only agency that performs adjudications and he says you know in the case of the DOD CAF they were doing well not now they're slipping a little bit they don't necessarily know why the congressional mandate is to get those adjudications done in 20 days the most recent data we've seen is 42 days for an initial secret clearance, the adjudication that is, and 43 days for a top secret clearance. So there very clearly is a backlog toward the end of this end-to-end investigation process. We're
0: speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. And what about the contractors? Where do they see room for improvement?
1: So I think we, we should say, Tom, that the Trump administration is supposed to completely overhaul the security clearance process. We've been Again, reporting on that for much of 2019 at this point. And, you know, we're supposed to see things soon. We keep hearing soon. uh, Things like new standards to issue credentials and establish trust. Those standards haven't been updated in several decades. New investigative tiers. uh, Initiatives so that if you do get a security clearance, that stays with you, the individual, not necessarily your job. So if you do move jobs, you could potentially take that security clearance with you. And for industry, that would be a huge help. That would honestly resolve a lot of their concerns.
0: The reciprocity, yeah.
1: Right. Industry has welcomed these changes. The whole initiative is called Trusted Workforce 2.0. I think we're going to hear more about that in maybe the coming months. We'll see. But to go back to that issue of reciprocity, that really is still a common complaint for industry. Some agencies are especially poor offenders. If you look at the Department of Homeland Security... That notoriously has been a problem there. Uh, You had David Berto on your show uh, earlier this week, Tom, and I know reciprocity is a big deal for him. And he says, if you ask industry, they all agree that reciprocity is a problem. But if you ask the government, they don't necessarily agree with that assessment.
0: Well, it's not their problem, really. They just hire contractors and it's the contractor's problem to supply the cleared people. But really, they should look a little bit beyond their own threshold to see that this is very costly for industry.
1: It is. And I think, you know, it's especially costly and especially frustrating for industry when there is a policy on reciprocity. The policy says you shall accept clearances that other agencies have given, you know, for this contractor, for that employee. That policy is out there. The problem, though, is is that that policy includes many exceptions that basically give agencies an excuse to keep doing what they're doing, to not grant reciprocity. And so I think what we're seeing is the conflict extends to a lot of other policies on this topic. I think we're getting the sense that, from industry at least, that if the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, Office of Personnel Management, all these agencies that are supposed to be spearheading Trusted Workforce 2.0, they like the ideas, but – When that policy comes out, they want to see really clear guidelines on if there are going to be exceptions, what they are, and more, I think, uh, stringent and strict guidelines, really putting the hammer down on some of these agencies and saying, look, this is really what we want you to do. You're not going back to the old way.
0: And back to that Trusted Workforce 2.0, this is something the Trump administration has been promising. And so far, it has not come down the chute, though, has it? And there's no indication as to when it might.
1: There's no clear indication as to when we'll see uh, clear activities behind Trusted Workforce 2.0. As we've reported before, the president is supposed to sign a series of national security memos, really kickstarting that initiative. And it's unclear whether or not those memos will really ever become public. But once those memos are signed, ODNI, other agencies, are supposed to start putting out some of these policies. And I think that's what we'll hopefully see this year.
0: And also, a well, final question, what about continuous vetting? That's kind of coming in step by step too, isn't it, to this whole new Defense Department takeover?
1: Yeah, it's actually key to the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency's progress in getting the backlog down. It's the key to their future. They envision it. And, you know, I think when you ask Congress, I mean, this uh, – All of these comments from federal contractors came from a roundtable that Congressman Jerry Connolly hosted just the other day. And I think they see promise with continuous vetting, but, you know, they're skeptical of it. And I think we're going to hear about, you know, a hearing in the coming months where the House Oversight and Reform Committee will bring in some of these officials behind things like continuous vetting, behind things like the backlog, adjudications and that sort of thing, and really hear from their perspective what's going on.
0: Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
1: Hi, it's Kristen. Did you know that not doing things is easier
0: than doing them? There's a lot of things to do, especially this time of year. But when you don't do things, there's more time to do things. Does that make sense? What I mean is when you use Shift to get everything from gifts to groceries delivered same day, you have more time for the things you want to do. To not do things so that you can do other things, visit Shipt.com slash holiday. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com slash
1: holiday. Ask anyone with a DWI if it was worth it. They'll tell you it's no holiday. Impaired driving kills the holiday spirit. Drive sober. Drive smart.
0: Extra enforcement now on Minnesota roads. A message from the Minnesota Department of Public Safety.